Hello, and welcome again to another episode of Five Plain Questions, a podcast that proposes five questions to Indigenous artists, creators, musicians, writers, movers and shakers, and culture bearers, people in the community that are doing great things for the communities. I'm Joe Williams, your host for this conversation. I'm director of CANA, the Native American programs at the Plains Art Museum. My goal is to showcase these amazing people in our Indigenous communities from around the region and country. I want to introduce you to Vincent Schilling, an Akwasasne Mohawk. He's an enrolled member of the St. Regis Mohawk tribe. He's an award-winning author that is currently working on a book commissioned by Random House Viking about Native American boarding schools. He's the founder and editor of Native Viewpoints at nativeviewpoint.com. Vincent is also an award-winning producer, journalist, and public speaker, in addition to serving as current executive vice president and co-owner of Schilling Media Inc., a Native American-owned media and media relations corporation. He is a U.S. Army veteran that trained as a 91 Alpha combat medic and a 92 Bravo medical lab specialist and served at the Letterman Army Medical Center. He later became a commissioned officer and served as a battalion chemical officer for the 1st of the 143rd Field Artillery Battalion in Walnut Creek as a lieutenant. He is the former associate director for Indian Country Today. He contributed thousands of articles to the publication for over 16 years. As a content media producer, Vincent helped to orchestrate the video content for news for over 16 years. In addition to the above organizations, he has contributed to video media content to Marvel, NBC, Dateline, Now This News, CBC, APTN, and much, much more. He is also the former host of Native Trailblazers, an online indigenous radio program that aired Friday nights at 8 p.m. on blogtalkradio.com backspace Native Trailblazers from 2010 to 2011. It was during this time period is when I first became aware of who Vincent was through this podcast. It was a really, really great online uh, radio show that I really enjoyed. But I think what makes Vincent so interesting, besides the the work that he's done, the awards and accolades that he's received over the years as being a highly respected uh, writer and journalist, is the enthusiasm that he has pursued his 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 life, his career, uh, the energy and his dedication to what he wants to do, and the support that he's had. It's a great story to listen to, and so let's jump into this interview with Vincent Schiller. So, Vincent, thank you so much for joining us at Five Plain Questions. This is really great having you here. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So, um, if you could tell us a little bit about, about yourself, uh, your background, and where you're from. Sure. Oh, that's right. I'm supposed to uh, say my greeting in my language if I can. And and thankfully, I, I know. Sego uh, Jogoliskiga, which means hello uh, in the Mohawk language. My, my native name is Jogalis, which means Black Raven. And uh, just a gentle greeting there to say kind of, hi, how are you? And, and um, if you could tell us about your background, uh, yeah. what, what is it that you do and, and where you're from and all that? <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm, I'm bundling yeah. this up. <laughs> no, 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 I did. That's great. I don't mind. Um, um, part of genuine conversation is fun anyways. I don't, I don't ever mind um, uh, this type of stuff, even as a listener, I enjoy kind of just the normal human interactions. You know, we don't always have everything perfect. True. Um, but um, I am a, a journalist. I am a author. I am a public speaker. I am a media maker and producer. And um, I uh, have gotten here after 17 years uh, as a journalist. And um, I grew up in California. I did not grow up uh, on my native territory, Mohawk territory in Aguasasne, which is uh, the Aguasasne territory in St. Regis Mohawk tribe is literally on the Canada and United States border. Um, there are other uh, Mohawk nations uh, within Canada, Ganasatake and Ganawage. Uh, I am my family is generally mostly from Aquasasne. Um, I, like I said, I grew up in California because my grandmother, my Dota Madeline, um, moved to California when she came old enough to have children. Um, and, um, she is a, uh, victim of, uh, Indian boarding schools and residential schools in Canada. Uh, at least 
I am still in the middle of researching. I actually don't know if she was in Canada or if she was in New York. I'm literally actively right now researching exactly. Um, but wow, Joe, talk about where I'm from. Uh, two days ago, I stumbled upon a photograph of my grandma that my aunt had. Um, and she's probably about eight years old. And there it is. She's sitting there sitting next to some white man. I don't know who he is. Um, she's holding a doll that was obviously given to her probably for the photo or something. Mm. And she has that residential school haircut. Her hair is probably about, yep, right there. Mm. And it hit me to my core. I, you know, and I have, I have done research on residential schools and native schools and the kids and things like that. And it always, you know, your heart is, a thousand fold, you know, um, and it got a little more personal, uh, even more so when I saw my grandmother in this image and, um, you know, it literally feel almost shaky right now, even saying it, I mean, it just really just hit me. So I came from California where she went to, uh, where my family lived, uh, lived with my father and, uh, on Compton Boulevard, literally, Yes, that Compton Boulevard in California and um, off of Crenshaw and Rosecrans and <laughs> had my bike stolen once a week, it seems, and, and uh, you know, tough area um, next to a comic book store. And, you know, I was a total nerdy little guy and um, uh, went to school, um, graduated high school and joined the army right away uh, because that's what we do, right? <laughs> A lot yes. of us anyway. Yes. And um, was in the army, uh, was a, a medic and then a lab technician. And where might you think I got stationed is the Presidio of San Francisco. Oh, wow. And interestingly enough that I found out in my research is that uh, the Presidio of San Francisco is the same place where Colonel Richard Henry Pratt died. So here I was a Native American soldier walking the same halls that Pratt died. The man who started the entire Indian um, residential school system based upon his research with Apache prisoners of war. <laughs> and he said, well, it's going to work with kids, right? And that's where it all came from. You know, so I was walking the same halls as a native soldier at the same time boarding schools are being discontinued or the same years I was walking in the halls at the same place where he died um, and uh, went to San Francisco State, moved to North Carolina because I heard there was a budding film industry, got into the industry for a little while, um, ran cable, was video assist, did all kinds of stuff where I met my wife, Dolores in Wilmington. Uh, and that was, I, I saw her, it was, it was over. <laughs> it was, I was done. I was like, wow, you know, we're getting married. And she's like, okay. And we've been married uh, 25 years this year. And, and um, uh, now I've been living in Virginia. And uh, for the past 16 years, I think I've been here about 20 years in Virginia now. I'm in Virginia Beach now. Um, I got a job as a warehouse manager and I did all the writing there and i even submitted you know requests for proposals as a warehouse manager and they're like i'm doing all the writing for the company and they're getting the bids like multi-million dollar bids for the city and all kinds of stuff and and my wife was like you're a writer what are you doing <laughs> you know i was like i was like I, well yeah and i ended up getting a uh, book deal with a small publishing house um called native athletes in action wrote that book on native athletes or another one on Native environmentalists, wrote another one on Native men of courage. Uh, another author did Native women of courage. So don't worry, ladies, we, uh, you got equal billing. And then, um, uh, let's see, Native environmentalists, Native men of courage, Native athletes, and Native musicians in the groove. Um, and that was through the Native Trailblazer series. And then uh, I got another uh, book deal um, just this year. Well, just the very, very end of last year on residential schools uh, through Penguin Random House. So, oh, wow. Um, yeah. And um, needless to say, um, I told the uh, wonderful 
uh, people at Indian Country Today that you guys are amazing. And thank you for all the incredible years of, of gifts to me, as well as being a journalist and hiring me as a journalist and editor. I learned so much, but uh, it's time to focus on what I need to do. And, and um, I got a beautiful pair of moccasins as a parting gift and gorgeous. And they wished me well, and I wished them all incredible well. And I'm moving off to do my own thing. Of course, I still want to be a writer, so I uh, did other stuff. But that's that's um, where I've come from and where I'm at now. With all of that, uh, it's 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 wonderful to hear that. Um, first off, congratulations on the book deal. That's that's well, a really thank big you. deal. Thank you. It's and, I, it's a gift to Indian country. I think, you know, um, because uh, native people. Our stories, ha- do I, 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 I'm preaching to the choir here when I tell you this, you know, mm-hmm. how, how often have our story has not, not been told, yeah. you know, and people are shocked that, uh, you know, boarding schools even exist. They don't know, know what it is, you yeah. know, and I get sometimes on, on social media, well, I've been, in, I've been in a boarding school and I did well because my parents sent me when I was a kid. And I'm like, no, miss, <laughs> no, miss, appreciate you responding and being curt, but no, that's not what happened. So, yes. Yeah. My name only, right? By but yeah, only. but thank you for that well wish. I, I appreciate it very much. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think it's what, what's great to hear this too, is that when, uh, especially in the Indian country, when we part ways with organizations, um, mm-hmm. to hear that was such a, a wonderful parting and moving on. Yeah. And, uh, the mutual respect both ways. That's well, really encouraging gave me the, Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you. Well, they gave me wonderful wishes, you know, uh, Mark Trahant, who kept me on as, as you know, um, when Indian country today, uh, uh, the United Indian Nation said, okay, we're, you know, we're going to kind of pull away. And, and eventually they, they uh, gifted it to National Congress of American Indians. You know, there was a couple months where there was no Indian country today. And then uh, I got a phone, my wife actually got the phone call uh, from a family member of Dennis Banks that he had died and no one knew yet. And I was like, I didn't know where to put the news. So I contacted the NCIA and said, can I publish this? And they're like, you still have access to the site as far as I know. And I'm like, sure enough. So I posted. And for about three months, I, I volunteered and was writing every day. Wow. And, wow. and Mark was like, you know, come on board. They hired him as editor when they decided to bring it back up. And Mark was like, well, you got to be associate editor, you know? And, and I was like, wow, well, thanks. And um, three more uh, incredible years of, learning and, and, you know, growing and, and, um, you know, and it was a, it was a good time to part ways in in a positive way. And like mm-hmm. I said, I, and, uh, I, I wish them all the best of everything and, and they did the same and, you know, let's, let's go out there and continue to do wonderful things all at the same time, you know, cause there's room for everyone. Oh, oh, that's great. Um, so with, within the story um, of your journey, uh, can you talk about your, your, your biggest influences along the way and who are your biggest influences today? Well, uh, my first two influences, I have to say, are my, my father and my wife. You know, um, my father who taught me incredible work ethic. And, um, you know, my, my, my father is, is, his name is Schilling. Uh, he's German-Austrian. Uh, and he doesn't know about his grandfather, but I swear if I showed anyone this photo of his grandfather, there's got to be some native blood in there somewhere because that guy looks, you know, but I don't, I, I genuinely don't know. I've never researched that side of my father's heritage and, and my mother's the Mohawk and, um, you know, who gave me, of course, incredible influence as well. Um, uh, but the person who changed my life the most, and I really will be honest about this, is my wife who looked at me and said, you know, Vincent, uh, you're a writer. And uh, one day I remember I was at work uh, as a warehouse manager, you know, wearing shorts and a tank top, you know, and just running around throwing boxes everywhere. And she's like, and people were like talking smack, you know, work talk smack stuff, you know, like blah, blah, Vince, blah, blah. You know, they were mad at me for maybe I put boxes in the one storage area. You, you never know, you know, how work environments <laughs> kids. but they were fussy at me or something. I don't know exactly what it was. And I walk in and my wife has that look on her face, like, you know, furrowed brown. She's like, quit right now. <laughs> she had had it. You know, I was like, what? She goes, quit right now. Go be a writer, go pursue your dreams. 
So my wife held it down for like two years, possibly more, you know, uh, while I got my, you know, journalism ducks in a row because um, it was a new world for me. And though I had all the passion of, of anyone, uh, I didn't know how to navigate it yet. And then I just, what I kept, what I kept doing was trying to go for, you know, the CNNs of the world, you know, everywhere and just try. And, and I, and I, and I kept every time I pitched something to Indian country data, I'm like, wow, that sounds wonderful. We would love to see that. And I'd write it and then I'd keep going. And I was like, wait a minute. I, and I realized I was like Dorothy with the red slippers going, you have an amazing organization saying yes to everything you offer. Why do you keep trying to climb Mount Everest? You know, when your, you know, bread and butter, literally payment is right here. And just before I left rocket, um, I uh, got a call from the golden Eagles hotshots from the Saquon reservation in San Diego and uh, Chief Ray told me, he goes, hey, Vincent, he goes, we are in North Carolina. I looked it up. It's four hours from you. We are fighting a fire if you want to come cover the story right now. And I was like, Ugh. and it was Friday night. I had worked like a really long week and I walked into the office. My wife's sitting at the desk. I'm all, honey. And she looked at me. I told her the story. And she's all, let's go. So we left from there. Uh, I think I maybe I grabbed a bag or something and we went straight to North Carolina. I got three hours sleep and I walked the fields of the burning forest with the Golden Eagles hotshots. And that was the, the, the first topic of my first book, as well as my first written story to Indian country today. And um, needless to say, my career took off since then. But, you know, uh, to say who is my influence today, um, my my wife is my is my influence of who I am, but I will tell you who is also now guiding me uh, is my grandmother, my Dota, uh, seeing her photo because she died. And, and that's funny because I was on Black News Channel last night and I said she died 20 years ago. I looked up, it was closer to about 30, 35 years ago. And I didn't realize that much time had passed mm -hmm. because the, um, you know, uh, Canadian authorities yesterday uh, at the time of this taping that we're talking now, Joseph, uh, Ottawa says, well, we're going to designate $31 billion to residential school survivors. And I don't know if you heard that news, but they, the, yeah, the Canadian government is allotting billions of dollars, which equates to, if I'm not mistaken, I believe about $8,000 a person, something like that, because they're, and I was like, I was, I was glad to see there's some culpability, but at the same time, I was enraged to think that my grandmother's life is worth that, you know? And yeah. I was like, you know, uh, I don't want this. Who wants money for that? You know, I, I can't even, you know, but at the same time, I also understand that sometimes in the world of, you know, colon colonization, the only language that many times some colonists understand is the, penalty of losing money. So that I also understand. Um, so, you know, there's, there's a double edged sword there, but uh, to go back to what I was saying is, is, you know, because of what I'm doing and because of how I need to live my life continuously from this point forward and being mindful of everyone who's affected by residential schools and, and Indian boarding schools, my grandmother is guiding my life, you know, so that's probably the big, one of the biggest influences to every decision I'm making now. Mm -hmm. When did uh, when did the boarding schools in Canada um, shut their doors? Nineteen ninety six, wasn't it? I I, I believe. Um, I'm 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 going up. Correct me if I'm wrong. Anybody who looks this up and you know, feel free to <laughs> make an adjustment. Um, I was just looking at it yesterday, and my I'm dyslexic, so sometimes. <laughs> numbers flipper <laughs> so uh, anybody out there is listening feel free to correct me but i do believe it's about that about that mm -hmm. year uh sometimes i 
I transpose numbers in my mind, but if I'm looking at it, I do my research. I, and you can imagine being a journalist, you know, how many times I've had to go back and, you know, that, hit that backspace button. <laughs> you know, my backspace button is about worn out on my, all my computers. Um, and I say that funny, you know, yes, um, yeah. people are like, God, it must be hard. But, you know, you don't, you don't realize the struggles you have. Yeah. Uh, because you've ha- always had them, you yeah. know, um, just like some people don't understand what it means to be entitled. They don't understand what it means because they've always been. Um, and, and on the reverse spectrum, if you haven't been entitled, you've never been. So, you know, there's yeah. certain things we can never understand, but, but yeah. So um, I, I believe it's about 96, I believe, I know it was close to that time. Okay. Okay. So I'm thinking here in the U S um, you know, we still have we still have boarding schools, but they're mm. uh, BIE run. Um, a lot mm. the the one close to here, it's the charter school of the system right. to Noyate. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But I want to say eighty six was when there was a big transition here in the states. Right. But I yep. don't know for sure. No, that sounds right to me. I remember hearing that. I, I um, remember interviewing someone talking about. I, you know what? I think it actually might have been this exact school you're talking about, and they were saying how we get a lot of slack because. We are this school, um, but you have to understand is we are trying to erase the negativity and embrace the, you know, the love for our youth, you know, and so I have to respect that, um, you know, they, they didn't do the previous history. You can't blame someone for trying to, you know, uh, pick up the pieces and move on, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> can't blame anyone for that, yeah, you know, yeah. but it, it's tough, tough histories for sure. Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so um, how have you developed your career, uh, both in college and post-college? Uh, you, you've given a nice narrative, again, uh, through mm-hmm. your, your journey here. Uh, yeah. But what were some of, the, some of the key points that stand out um, that sort of drove your motives along the way? Uh, college and post-college. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. sure. Um, you know, I, I remember, I think... I think if I looked at it in terms of what I've learned and what I would like someone to kind of take away from my experience mm-hmm. is um, I was in the army. So I, I got out of, got out of the army. I think it was 1990, 91, you know, I'm 54. I was born in 67. So, uh, you know, early nineties and um, went to college and, Guess what, kids? I didn't have cell phones in my college. <laughs> my my computer was the computer lab with a green print writing, you know, and the very loud keys. Um, and I remember uh, taking a Native American studies class, and um, I got a D minus. It is the worst grade I've ever gotten in my life because the teacher hated me. Um, I will admit at that time, I was not very well versed in, um, you know, a lot of Native history. I have since, I mean, just dove into so much history and learned so much. I've been learning my language. I've been learning so much over the past, you know, 30 years, uh, because once I realized that this is something I could do, um, I was ravenous and I was like, oh, what do you know? I didn't hate history. I just didn't care about something that wasn't mine, you know, uh, but this teacher really, really disliked me. Uh, and I asked questions that I believe made him uncomfortable and he penalized me uh, accordingly. It is literally the worst grade I've had in my life, not just in college, in my life. I never had a D minus, never. I don't think I've ever had a D, um, but you know what? I'm proud of that D minus. Um, as, 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 as strange as that might sound, um, I did very, very well grade wise throughout my, my life, but that was, that was the worst one I ever got. And, um, but at that same time, um, real quickly before I go into this thread is to think that I was at San Francisco state, which were some of the key places, uh, that, um, started the beginning of the American Indian movement with people like Grace Thorpe, uh, Russell Means, um, you know, uh, Brendan Oaks, you know, uh, famous Mohawk guy. And th- these guys who went to, uh, you know, um, Alcatraz, uh, 
Yep. They met many times on, on the same places at San Francisco State University was one of the universities where they met to think I was walking those same places. But my American Indian Studies teacher never said it once. You know, that, that is that is a travesty, you know, and, um, you know, I've, I've always been kind of like, hey, you kind of you still left me out. You know, I'm going to a Native Studies class and I'm still getting left out about the true history. I mean, there is. That is is possibly one of my cousins. You know what I'm saying? It probably is. <laughs> All I gotta do is probably find the thread. I'll find it. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, Brendan Oaks. You know, he's probably one of my. I'm serious. You know, and um, but one thing I did learn at college is the same time I was in college. You know, I had been out of the army for about a year, and I said, you know what? I really enjoyed what I was doing. I'm gonna go back to the National Guard. So I I joined the National Guard because I'd been a medic for a long time. So I decided, hey, you know, I want to be I want to be something different. So I, I like went full combat arms, you know, airborne ranger. Literally, I was going to do all this stuff. And then uh, I started going to infantry and they said, hey, you have college because I've been in college for a while. And I said, you should go for uh, OCS, offer ca- officer candidate school. I was like, oh, what? I've ne- Me, an officer? What? <laughs> so I was like, what the heck? So I said, OK, I will. I uh, did that for a year and a half. Um, and, uh, I, I almost quit because it was very difficult, but then I decided not to. What did you go for OCS by the way? So I got stationed in, you know, camp San Luis Obispo in California. And that was about a year and a half became a Lieutenant and man, that was so hard, but I'll tell you one really amazing thing is I almost quit because I was so exhausted, so tired, so just beyond belief, ready to just, and I said, you know what? I'm not going to quit. I'm not. I'm just not going to quit. And I went back and even the other lieutenant was like, Hey, what are you doing here? You know, cause I had considered it and I was like, I changed my mind. He goes, all right, we'll see. And they left me alone. You know, they were like, all right, cool. He stuck with it. You know, and I thought I was going to get a lot more slack for that, but I didn't. They were actually, I believe glad to see me not because I, I, I just couldn't do it. I could not give up. I couldn't mm. do it. I'm just not in my blood, honestly. Mm. Even if, even if a moment of like, maybe I just couldn't do it. But Coming back, um, I had literally been voted, you know, uh, I did a, the worst job because if, if there's one moment where you like speak out of turn and they happen to notice you, that's it. You're now attacked. And so everyone happened to see me get attacked. So they're like, you did the worst this time. You know what I'm saying? So I was like, of course, you're going to see me because they're yelling my name. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, but you're, uh, I was like, trust me, buddy, you're next. So, and that's how it happened. You know, you, there's always someone who got chosen that day to be the worst for that day or whatever have you. But I came back and um, because so many people had actually made the decision to drop out, we took Alpha Company and Bravo Company, which were like 100 plus each. And there was only like 40 each. So they were combining us, you know, as we came back to become seniors. And this one guy was like, Someone beat me this time. Someone beat me this time in the two mile run. Someone beat me this time in the two mile run. And I didn't say anything, right? Because, you know, hey, I'm Mohawk. <laughs> so <laughs> I can run. So he, he, so we start running and, you know, we're on the, the final lap and I run up alongside him. I'm like, hey, hey, man, let's join arms and cross the finish line in a show of solidarity for Alpha and Bravo Company. Right. I was Bravo. He was Alpha. And he goes, eh. I go, and to myself, I go, eh, all right, buddy, you just got it. And I did the Billy Mills kick (laughs) (laughs) and it was, I ran so far ahead of the guy. I ran up, grabbed the Bravo flag off the track, ran back onto the track and crossed the finish line. And everybody went berserk. The the four-star general came up and grabbed me and was like, Hey, did you do the best? I was like, yes, sir. And then we all were like crying and this and that, but I had, and that happened, um, after I almost thought I might quit. So something I learned to tell you that long story is that I swear to God, folks, don't quit. Don't quit. Success is like a hairline further away from failure. And I, and you know what? That has happened to me many, many times. And one of the highlights of my life is I got to tell Billy Mills that story. Mm. You know, I had I had a radio show, Native Trailblazers, for a while with my wife, 
Billy Mills was on our show and I got to tell him that story. Oh, and he was like, that is awesome. That's <laughs> so I like, great. I was like, are you kidding? I get to tell Billy Mills my running story. <laughs> are you joking? Is this really happening to me? And he was so amazing. And, and it was just, I was like, wow, that just happened. Yeah. So um, something else I learned um, that also sticks out to me is when I uh, learned, you know, in officer candidate school, I had been a soldier for a long time. And, and for those of you who don't know, when you're a soldier in the military or, you know, Marines or, or sailor in the Navy or what have you, you know, um, as a young uh, soldier or recruit or, 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 or military person, you are, you are told. When dinner is, you are told when chow is or when you got to clean, when you can go to the bathroom, when physical training is, when the next duty is. You, you are told very specifically. You have write, writings on the wall. You have this, that. You know where to go. When you become an officer, something happened in my training that I hadn't learned before. And they said, OK, uh, you, you uh, cadet. Schilling, our first sergeant, you Cadet Johnson, our captain, you Cadet this, our, our company commander, right? Okay, uh, you got to go to Chow. I'm like, I'm like, okay, sir, how do we get there? Uh, what you, I don't know. How do you get there? I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? What, how do we get? I'm like, so suddenly everything I had learned for the past, you know, three plus years was gone. You had to now make your own decisions. And I was like, I am not accustomed to making. And the same thing happens to uh, NCOs, non-commissioned officers, sergeants, et cetera. As you get more and more, you learn these things. But I had no clue how to make my own decisions. And I realized in a lot of, lot of portions of my experience in the military, I had not learned to make my own decisions. So I, I was like, okay. And uh, a mental shift occurred in my mind that changed and and affected the course of the rest of my life. So I went back to college and I remember I was an, I was an actor and I loved media broadcasting and acting and theater and I love that to to this day. I'm still a, a performer as well as a media guy and a broadcaster and I love pr production and all that stuff. It just absolutely fascinates me and thrills me. I love every bit of it. So here I was in theater arts, uh, along with, you know, 75 other students in my same grade, going for the same roles as me in the same department for uh, a handful of directors. And you'd get a part and it'd be something that you maybe kind of liked. And it dawned on me, I said, you know what, this is not, I'm not enjoying fully what could be happening i'm like i am in an, a department that has theaters available and spaces available and this and i says you know what and i thought of this training you know what are you going to do make your own decision i'm like you know what i'm going to write my own ticket so i said i'm going to do my own show doing the exact roles i want to do the exact parts i like and do it the way i want to do it so i chose this book of monologues by eric bogosian you know, one man show to do 12 different characters. But then I only had, I said, okay, I want a space. And I had a full theater space. They said, it's, it's going to be ready in three weeks. It's the only spot we got. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> so I asked a friend of mine to do six of them. And I did the other six because three weeks is really pushing it in terms of learning, you know, an entire book of content. So I did it and published it out and it was a jam-packed house and we had uproarious you know applause and people were like going berserk and it was like wow that was the most amazing thing i've seen and then i said you know what let's take this theater off campus let's go off campus do our own show and i learned that you know what if you want something to happen in life you don't always have to wait for someone else to be creating it for you to take part Sometimes you can go out there and do your own thing. And that's, I think, what I learned the most is that I don't have to sit and wait. If something is not happening the way I like, go do it yourself. I think that's the biggest lesson I've learned in my life, actually. That's fantastic. That, yeah. Was this in San Francisco? or That was, was in San Francisco. That was at San Francisco State. I mm. that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then I took this with me and have done it with other things. You know, I... I went to Wilmington where my wife and I did that show 
except I did the entire thing myself. I did all 12 monologues and I got rave reviews and I saw a full jam-packed house and it was like amazing. And I was just like, and and the reviews I got were like, I was like, wow. So I was like, you know, you could do this stuff in life, you know? So that's the type of things I, I am. I am a person who says I'm going to do something and I'll go out and, and do it myself. If someone else isn't doing it. That's, that's fantastic. That's <laughs> yeah, fantastic. Awesome. Yeah. It's all, and it's scary. If you're scared and you're going, Oh my God, what have I done? Perfect. You're in this bright spot. Ah, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. It, I think it's great that you learned that uh, early on, right? Cause that's mm-hmm. something that I think a lot of, uh, and I speak from my own experience, you learn later, you know? And I mean, I, I think I got caught in that where I was, um, you know, I was enlisted. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I was used to being told what to do for a thank long time. Thank you for time. your service, my friend. Oh, thank you oh, very much. Thank for your you. Service. Thank you. Likewise, Thank you. <laughs> um, I say uh, the joke I say to other vets is when I get that, I was like, well, I did it for the Applebee's, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, you know, it's, yeah, that was a lesson I learned later on, you know, mm-hmm. that if you want something, you got to make it yourself, you know, n- yeah. not to seek permission, you know, yeah, um, yeah. the sooner someone can, can figure that lesson out, I think mm-hmm. the trajectory of their life changes. And you, and you can also do exactly, Yes. Absolutely, it changes. And the thing is, is a lot of people are afraid to do things like that within their own organization. I'm not saying you got to go out there and create your entire own new organization, mm-hmm. but feel free to take that thought process and that sentiment and do that within where you are. Like, say, mm-hmm. think outside the box. Like, if you have ways to improve it, it doesn't always have to be done the exact way it's always been done. Sometimes there are improvements. Sometimes you know, you may offer it and they won't like it and you, and there won't be receptivity to it and that's fine. Mm-hmm. So find another place for it, you know? Yeah. yeah. And you know, sometimes what a person does will fail or it'll flop and that's okay. Yeah. That's okay. Cause then that's an opportunity to learn from that situation and to yes. try again later. Yes. Yes. With I, I, I did. I did one show uh, one time where we had invited a bunch of agents and stuff and, and no one showed up. You know, and I was devastated, you know, Um, but the thing is, is is I let go of the fact that a lot of um, our friends were there. A lot of my, um, you know, um, my close friends, families were there. You know, I was away from my family, so they weren't. But but, you know, I forgot of the gift I'm giving other people. And, um, you know, not everything is going to be exactly how you want it. That's not life. Life doesn't do that anyway. (laughs) Uh, we're, we're sort of in the middle of this, this question, but, uh, you know, the question of uh, how do you seek opportunities? Um, okay. How do you seek opportunities? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Sometimes, uh, we're sort of in the middle of it. So that's great. Uh, I, I, I've learned through the course of these interviews, mm-hmm. um, cause we're now in our third season of this podcast is that, oh, wow. That's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a, I can't believe it's gone this long. It's so good. That's um, great. That's wonderful. W- with, with opportunities, uh, depending on where a person is in their career, um, sometimes they seek opportunities early on, and as they achieve things or accomplish things, opportunities eventually seek them out. And mm-hmm. I just wonder if you could mm-hmm. reflect on that. Yeah. Well, something that was really neat about the way you phrased the question, because you were nice to send me the questions to kind of look over, is, um, is you asked, how do opportunities present themselves to you? And I was like, wow. And I thought about it for a minute. And, um, I was like, well, I think I present myself to opportunities. You know, I, I'm not much of a, and you can ask my wife, my wife will be like right here, like doing handstands, waving her arms and they're agreeing with me when I say I'm impatient. <laughs> She'd be like, yes, my, my husband is impatient, but I, I am, <laughs> I, I am so type a and so, uh, over the top that, um, um, I have found that what I enjoy doing most is presenting myself to opportunities. And if, if and, and so, so essentially, yes, we can't create opportunities, but if an opportunity exists, take advantage of it as soon as you see it, because opportunities are fleeting. Opportunities come and go. And sometimes when they're there on Monday may not be there on Wednesday. So, uh, move fast and, but move, you know, with mindfulness. And the way I present myself to opportunities is by continuing to work on myself behind the scenes. Uh, 
I work a lot of long hours and, um, but, um, I also, um, always want to improve myself. There's, I don't think there's a day I don't think where I want to do better than I did the day before. So by, by, uh, consistently working to improve the product of myself, the more and more people will like what I have to offer. You know, some people aren't going to like it no matter what, but the way I present myself to opportunities is by filling my mind with, um, um, workable solutions that I can offer to people who need them. Um, I don't know if that makes sense, um, but I don't know if you can hear it, but that leaf blower is really loud. <laughs> I'm trying to think, but it's losing my mind. I'm like losing my train of thought, but that's okay. I don't that's mind. A, you can even leave this in. I don't even mind. <laughs> that is okay. <laughs> yeah, you can leave it in because it's kind of funny. Um, I don't. I don't mind. Um, but you know, I. I I look at I look at my my um, my career and look at the things I've done, and I've always been the guy who's like, "Hey, why don't we do it this way?" And sometimes it's received, and other times it's not, you know. Um, and that's okay. Sometimes people aren't going to like your idea. You know what? I mean, that's really all it is. Is someone just doesn't look at things the same way. Um, and there are times where I took it personal and that doesn't do anything but dis- but become a disservice to you because people don't live inside your head. And if you become a crab about it, the only one who's got to live with that crabbiness other than your loved ones is you, you know, so it does nothing but destroy you and your family. So stop. You got to let it go and and try to do the best you can to to realize that not everyone's going to receive everything you say. But then again. If they do receive your idea and and they're willing to to let you go with it, then embrace that because there's been some wonderful things that you know Indian country today is is an example. You know, I brought the uh, the idea of of creating a newscast based on Zooms and and it was received. You know, people were like, yeah, that's great, and and you know, and they're now on PBS in many different locations and doing stuff and and um, you know that's that's wonderful for them. You know, uh, and I'm so glad that they're taking advantage of that. That's great. You know, um, and um, I had other opportunities in my life that, that allowed me to make the choice I've made. And I'm very excited about that. You know, um, so we've got to do the best we can to um, maintain a sense of um, sanity by having a little bit of an attachment to our own ideas. You know, and I think that's one of the things I've learned about the things I, I say about presenting opportunities and what I've learned about presenting and, and learning that sometimes you can offer someone a sandwich, but they may not like ham and cheese. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, even though if you had the best intentions in the world, you know, you could offer me a ham and cheese sandwich and I would go, that is really wonderful and very sweet. But I've been vegan for 20 years, <laughs> <laughs> which is true, actually. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. But you know what I'm saying? But you know what I'm saying? It's just. It's about having a sense of, of uh, walking forward with a little bit of detachment towards uh, the path you walk. And if you have a little bit of attachment and you are able to walk that walk with, with solidarity to other people around you, it's going to make you much happier. You know? um, and I say that as uh, advice that I also need to learn from as well. I'm not saying here like I'm some you know, yogi on a hill with, with no detachment no attachments in the world. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying that these are things I've learned. And when I can do that, I have a lot more grace in, in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the last question is, uh, what would you say to the 18 or 22 year old that's listening to this conversation? Um, I think one of the biggest things I learned in my life is that there is so much to learn from other people's shared experiences. I have learned so much from people who have walked the path before me. Take advantage, and especially in 2021, where you have the world at your fingertips. If you want to be a famous hip hop artist, if you want to be a famous newscaster, if you want to be 
a plastic surgeon, if you want to be, you know, someone who owns uh, a dog pound, you will be able to find a reference to someone else who has done it successfully and learned from bad mistakes they've made. You can do yourself a huge service by learning what mistakes they've made and working to not repeat them. And you're going to make mistakes regardless of what, no matter how much you plan, no matter how much you do this, you know, no matter how much you do that, there are forces that be, you're going to make, you're going to make mistakes or screw things up or do this or that, but you're also going to have successes, but you can limit or you can, you can help limit some of those failures by learning what things they did that didn't work. Mm -hmm. um, I, uh, just set up a website and did tons of research beforehand about what people did. And I was like, oh God. So I just learned a, a huge amount of, just by doing some research that I'm like, that I had, I not done that research, I would not have known, you know? So, you know, everyone's biography is out there. Everyone, no matter who they are, learn from those biographies. I think that's one of the biggest lessons is learning from, and I do a lot of research before I move forward. I do a lot of research on that path and man, can you learn so much today? And I'm, I look at the resources today. I'm like, Holy cow. I wish I had these resources, you know, back in the eighties and nineties, it is what it is. And I'm, I'm glad I lived the way I lived, you know, um, I don't know how I would live without a cell phone today, <laughs> but I lived without one in the eighties. I did fine. You know, mm. you don't, you know, but uh, take advantage of the resources you have today because um, you really can do yourself a great service by uh, researching your life's path. And the other thing I would say is, is that know that um, there's a song by Boz Lerman called Don't Forget to Wear Your Sunscreen. And I don't know if you've ever heard it, but I love that song. Uh, it's about this guy who gives a like a high school, you know, uh, graduation speech that's right know, yes but it's yeah. built to a song and he says he says don't worry too much about what you want to do in your life some of the most interesting 40 year olds still don't know what they want to do you know what i'm saying yeah life is chance and i don't believe in backup plans because life's chance anyway and even your backup plan isn't guaranteed so why not just go for you what you want a million percent and if it doesn't work out who cares <laughs> Yeah. You've, you'll gained experience along the way anyway, but a backup plan is, is, is a gesture to yourself that's saying, well, this probably couldn't really happen. Don't have a backup plan. Worry about the backup plan. If it doesn't work out, you know, mm -hmm. who cares? It's not, it's, 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 it's doing yourself a disservice because no matter what you want to do, you can do it. I, I, I've, I've decided to go on the, 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 and go into this world as a journalist. And I, I was like at the beginning going, I don't know what AP style and all that stuff is. I am dyslexic for gosh sakes <laughs> to be a journalist as a dyslexic way. Are you nuts? But I, I didn't do it. And you know what? I didn't have a backup plan. I just went out. I quit my job and went out. And what do you know? 17 years later, wow, has it been an incredible journey. I have, I was invited to the vice president's house, Joe Biden at the time, to do a story on native artists and wrote the press release for the White House. I was just like, what? Hmm. You know, the, I've met, I've interviewed Deb Holland. I've interviewed, you know, senators, tribal leaders, uh, you know, photographed Barack Obama, photographed Michelle Obama, d done so many things. I'm just like, how did this even happen? But it happened because I didn't have a backup plan. Hmm. What do you know? Where can our listener find you, uh, your presence online? Uh, Vince Schilling, S-C-H-I-L-L-I-N-G. I, I think I have every platform nailed down as Vince Schilling. <laughs> <laughs> and I've worked on that. And, and uh, you know, I have a new site, Native Viewpoint, um, that uh, any young people out there would like to contribute uh, their opinions or viewpoints or anything they'd like to share, I, I open that up. Um, you can email me, Vincent at NativeViewpoint.com. Um, that includes you too, Joseph. I'll, I can put this cast on the, on the site. So thank you. That would be amazing. Yeah. That would yeah, be amazing. Awesome. Me too. Well, it's an honor you invited me. So my goodness, you know, that, that's, that's the beauty of, uh, you know, I actually just real quickly, I'd like to say one quick thing is as a native person, one thing I've discovered 
that there is a big difference in the native community and other communities. I, I'm not, not all, and I certainly don't speak for all, but one thing I've noticed about the native community in that in my research over the years as doing so much in the world of arts and entertainment and and you know uh uh you know key figures in indian country is that many times what happens is while someone else might be like a famous comedian that goes and do, does their own thing i've noticed more so than anywhere else when there are a group of people that get together look at rutherford falls Look yeah. at Reservation Dogs. That is a cast, a collection of miniature community-oriented people. You know, Sierra Teller Ornelas with Michael Gray Eyes and 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 Janice Schmeeding and and all these writers that are as native writers. That when they come together, there is tremendous success. So embrace that sense of community whenever you can, because boy, as native people, can we lift each other up. That's amazing. Thank you so much for yeah. that. That's yeah. that's fantastic. Uh, Vincent, thank you so much for being on the podcast. This is a great conversation. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me, Joe. Thanks so much. And that does it for this episode of Five Playing Questions. I want to thank Vincent again for his time and sharing his story with us. Uh, often, I don't really walk away from these conversations uh, feeling as motivated and energized as I did with this one. Granted, I, I always enjoy these conversations, and I'm really inspired by so many of, the, of, of our guests. Uh, but this time, yeah, I just I just have this energy, and I imagine you're feeling the same way. Um, what a conversation. This this was so great and so fun. So, Vincent, thank you again for this. And before uh, we move too far forward, uh, just a reminder, um, go to the show notes, check out uh, his websites, his social media, follow him, uh, read what he's writing. He's doing some amazing work. Uh, NativeViewpoint.com uh, is where you'll find the news, things that he's writing. Uh, there's also ShillingMediaInc.com uh, where you'll see more of the work that he's doing. So take some time, explore, and check it out and support Vincent. He's doing some really great work. So Vincent, thank you for, for this conversation. Uh, I look forward to the next thing. More importantly, I want to thank you for joining us and spending your time listening to what I feel is a very important story and perspective from our community. So please join us next week as we speak with another incredible person. I'm Joe Williams. You can find me on Canna, that's C-A-N-A-A, Creativity Among Native American Artists on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, across social media, and at our plainsart.org website. There you'll see our programming, our past videos, and these podcasts. If you have a suggestion for someone for me to interview, please look us up on Facebook and message me. I'd really like to hear from you. Well, all right, that's it. You take care and we'll see you next week. This has been an 11 Warrior Arts production.